I want to talk to you about experiencing resurrection in real life. Experiencing resurrection in real life. Now, this is the passion version I'm reading. It's Ephesians, the first chapter, and the 17th verse. It says this, 17th verse, I pray that the Father of glory, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, would impart to you the riches of his spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation to know him through your deepening intimacy with him. I pray that the light of God will illuminate the eyes of your imagination, flooding you with light until you experience the full revelation of the hope of his calling. That is the wealth of God's glorious inheritances that he finds in us, his holy ones. And I pray that you will continually experience the immeasurable greatness of God's power made available to you through faith. Then your lives will be an advertisement of this immense power as it works through you. This mighty power that was released when God raised Christ from the dead and exalted him. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, let your word become alive to us. Change us with it, we pray. In the mighty name of Jesus, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. So this is a prayer the apostle Paul prayed. He prayed that we would be experiencing and be an advertisement for God's power. God's resurrection power. So if you have your Bible, we already turned there, didn't didn't we? Forget that. That's in here. How many know it's good news that God separated you from sin? It's good news that that sin, although it separated you from from God and killed you, and even the Bible says it crucified you, that Jesus raised you from the dead. So when we think of the common uh, understanding of Easter, or not really Easter, Resurrection Sunday, when we think of the common understanding, we, we think of a, a single spiritual experience, and that is sin kills. Most of us, all of us, as a matter of fact, were born in sin, with a sin nature, separated from God. And it led us to do the wrong thing, even when we knew to do the right thing. And the Bible says that sin killed us. It, in effect, crucified us. And so people were separated from God because of sin, because of this nature to do wrong, even when you knew to do right, this, you know, like a little boy just wants to get in the mud puddle just because you told him not to. You know, he wants that cookie twice as bad when you told him he can't have cookies, right? All the ladies on a diet know what I'm talking about. You don't even want Oreos till you went on a diet, then you can't think of anything but Oreos. This is the sin nature. It's always telling you, uh, you, you, you must do what you can't do. And, the, and, and it crucified us. So when we see Jesus dying and raising from the dead in his hope, this is the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. The good news is that even though you are in sin and dead and your mistakes and your uh, compulsions, Even though that killed you, Jesus rose you from the dead through the gospel. How many are glad the Holy Spirit raised you up from the dead? Come on, say, he raised me up from the dead. 
And so this is the gospel that everybody you meet can have a resurrection because everybody you meet that don't have Jesus in their life have still not been resurrected. And you can't diminish this is the gospel. The good news of Christianity is that you can be resurrected to your relationship with God. You can spend eternity in heaven because of the resurrection of Jesus. But I was reading this, uh, this story in Matthew, uh, you know, I guess from the 26th to the 28th chapter of Matthew. I was reading this story, and it was a series of intense emotional experiences. It's hard to read the, the, the story of the passion of Jesus without weeping. I don't know about you, but for me, I even avoid it. I'll read through the Gospels, and then the last part, I was like, can I skip this? I, I haven't even watched you know, the movie The Passion. I can't even watch it. I, I, everybody's like, how can you just watch that on a Friday night eating popcorn? I can't. I, even though I love the movie, one time was enough for me. I don't ever want to see it again because it's brutal, right? And it's heartbreaking, and as I was reading this week through the story again and studying, I found myself weeping over not just the crucifixion of Jesus, but the entire pathway he was on. The, that these were like, one of these experiences would have been enough to destroy you. But Jesus passed through all of them, and the Holy Spirit began to speak to me about not just that one resurrection when you gave your life to Christ, but the resurrections that we have as we pass through life. And, you know, I, I find that it's very hard. It's very hard to uh, appreciate Resurrection Day unless you've experienced the passion before, the suffering. Unless you understand the cross, you can't really appreciate the resurrection. Now, I want to talk to you about three opportunities to experience resurrection in your life. Number one, extreme betrayal. Extreme, but when I was reading, it's easy to read the Bible, but then you read it sometimes and you think, this was the best friends of Jesus. Look at Matthew 26, verse 14. Then one of the 12 called Judas Iscariot went to the chief priest and said, what are you willing to give me if I deliver him to you? And they counted out to him 30 pieces of silver. When I think of Jesus in the garden, when I think of Jesus at the Passover saying, one of you guys are going to betray me. You know, I don't know about you, but betrayal is one of the worst experiences in the human experience and human life. Have you know, like if, if, if you've ever had a husband run around on you, come on, ladies, or if a husband, you've ever had your wife run around, you know, betrayal is one of the, because it's not because they did it, it's that you trusted them. And you trusted them with your heart. You trusted them with your life. You trusted them with the deepest part of you. When someone goes through a betrayal, it's a death, isn't it? It's a crisis of trust. Some of you have heard the story before. I was with my kids. We had a concert at the church, and I had a little BMW, and I drove out on a, on a foggy day because the light turned green. And when I did, I got hit by Dodge Durango. I knew, we, I even said, we're not going to make it. And it hit us in the front. I thought I was going to die. Had all my little girls with me. And I was spinning around. I didn't know where I was at. And when I opened my eyes, I saw fire under the hood. And I was uh, devastated because the first thing I think is get my kids out of this car. 
So I cut the kids out of the back seat, and Becca was in the front seat, pass out. It was, it was still emotional to me. I, I had to pick her up and carry her and put her on the gravel, and I thought the car was going to blow up. The whole thing was just a nightmare. It went from the best night in the world to the worst moment in my life, one of the worst moments, because we almost we came that close to dying that night. And nobody knew the secret suffering after that because every time I would come up to a, a stoplight or a red light, I, I couldn't go. Even when it would go green, I'd be like, you lying. <laughs> I know you're just saying that because you got me last time and I almost killed me. And I would be like, I would have to force myself to go forward because I would lock up. I wasn't thinking it through, but it was the cost of betrayal. That light had betrayed me. I had trusted it with my life. And I, I went out into the, the road based on what it told me. And bam, I, I, I lost the ability to trust. How many know betrayal can be like that? And nobody wants to be betrayed. It just somehow finds you. Whether it's in high school and it's, you know, your friends betray you or a secret that's betrayed or but there's nothing like when Jesus trusted these men with his whole life, and one of them was meeting with the enemy, setting up how to arrest him. And we hear it as, as, as something, you know, a part of a story, but for Jesus, it was the most brutal knife in the back that you can get. You know what they say, stab you in the back, because you trust your friends with your back. When you get stabbed in the back, you know, that old song, Backstabbers, that's because the people, it's not, being hurt is one thing, being betrayed is something else. Because those are the people that you trusted. And here's the question, is there life after betrayal? Because I find some people, when, the, when something like this happens to them, they're never the same again. They're Christians, they're in church, but they still got that look on that face. Like, you got me last time, nobody's getting me ever again. Right? It's like they get stuck right there. It's like something dies during that betrayal. It's some, their ability to trust, their ability to live, their ability to embrace, their ability to believe for great things dies right there because they said, I tried it and look what happened to me. Thank you very much. I'm out. And everybody here has probably experienced betrayal and it's a moment of death for you. Death to your faith, death to your ability to risk. I'm amazed the most successful men in the world, there are men who have lost fortunes over and over again. They don't think anything of it. It would freak me out. If I was a millionaire, I'd say, look, I'm out. I'm just going to go get a boat. I'm out. But they take, the, they take three or four million dollars and they, they put it back in the, into an investment. Then they lose it. I'd be like, I'm out. I'm going to kill myself. Right? You, when you see someone that has $10 million, they put it all on red and roll it. You think, oh, are you crazy? But you find out the most successful men in the world, they don't care because they believe that they can get it all back. What was it? it was Henry Ford that said, if you take everything away from me and give me my people, I'll build it all back. There's a courage that comes from resurrection power that says, I don't care how many times you knock me down. I'm going to keep getting back up. I've got resurrection power inside of me. I don't have to live in that betrayal. I'm going to live in God's dream for my life. Is there life after betrayal? You tell me. Because I know. It's one of the most difficult things to come back from. 
because everything inside of you, you want to you move in, but everything, move on, but everything inside of you is saying you can't do it. Remember what happened? Remember what happened? You're like, you're not trying to remember it. It's on you. It's an emotional reaction. It's not something, it's an intellectual. You're thinking, I need to move forward, but you can't. Because when you're dead, you can't move. Because betrayal kills people. And you need a resurrection. You need a resurrection. You might not know it, but you're not going to do any more living until you get past that betrayal. Oh, you might eat and have crawfish and sleep, but you're not going where you were supposed to go until you get resurrected from that death that you went through. Betrayal. Betrayal. Some people betrayed when they were a teenager. They're 40 years old and they still can't trust. They were betrayed as a child. Their father molested them. They still can't trust men. How long a sentence are you going to put on your life for what happened to you? A life sentence? Are you going to give up your destiny? Are you going to give up your future? Are you going to give up your eternity because something bad happened? Bad things happen. But guess what? Good news. There is resurrection power. There's a power that was released on the day of the resurrection that can cause you to come back to life again. It's good news, man. How can it happen? God's power was released on the day of resurrection. God has an automatic button called resurrection power, and he can bring you back to life. Some say, well, that's going to be a miracle. Well, you believe in the God of miracles, don't you? So do I. Anybody here wave at me if you believe in the God of miracles. It's going to take a miracle. I know it's going to take a miracle. Look at that beautiful baby right there. I didn't get to see her yet. Sage, right? Look how beautiful. Changing subjects. Back on the regular subject. My kids laugh at me. My kids laugh at me. I could be in an intense conversation and then say, this wallpaper's all wrong. Then I, <laughs> then I go right back. I don't know. I'm just like that. Something's wrong with me. <laughs> right? It was one thing when Judas betrayed, but when Peter betrayed him, you remember when Peter, the Bible goes to a special effort to let you know that not only Judas, the bad guy, betrayed him, but his best guy betrayed him and said, I don't even know him. He started cursing, the Bible says, when they said, we know you, you were with Jesus. And Peter said, I wasn't with him. Look what it says, Matthew 20, 26, 73. It says, then he began to curse and swear, saying, I do not know the man. When Jesus needed him most, he was nowhere to be found. He said, I don't know him. And immediately the rooster crowed, and Peter remembered the words of Jesus that said, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So he went out and wept bitterly. Man, being betrayed requires a resurrection. You might need a resurrection in your marriage. You might need a resurrection in your finances. You might, look, you think it's your business that's the problem? You think it's people that, no, it's you. You ain't moving on until you're ready to move on. I don't care. You can get a new job. You can get a new husband. But until you, something happens inside of you, it's going to be the same old thing. See, when you change, everything changes. When God changes something in you, the, the key to your life is not everybody else changing. The key to your life is something inside of you coming back alive. And you start believing. You start trusting. You start thinking, you know what? I can do it. I, so what? That, that happened. It happened. So what about it? I'm moving on. I've been resurrected. Come on, if you don't mind, just going to slip your hand up and say, I receive resurrection. <laughs> Number two, 
gross injustice. When I am reading this story, and I can't help but get into it because I'm hoping, I know he's innocent, so I'm hoping somehow, I've read it a thousand times, but every time I read it, I hope that they let him go. And when they bring him before Pilate, you know, they make their little mock, you know, Jewish thing and and they bring forth the false accusers and they say, we heard you say this or that. And then the the high priest says, let's just tell us, are you the son of God or not? And Jesus said, you said it. And he said, okay, crucify him. And they spit on him. Punched him in the face. They blindfolded him, punched him in the face and said, tell us who hit you. And they spit on him. God, the king of kings, they spit on him. They hit him with sticks and with their fists and with their hands. Then they brought him beaten and spit on. See, it's one thing if you and I, because we probably deserved it. (laughs) But I know he didn't deserve it to be mocked and humiliated. The injustice of it is overwhelming. I mean, I get mad like most of you when you see some things that happened in the 60s and, and, you know, with Martin Luther King. And and every now and then you see something that's so unjust that you think it's horrible. Nothing's more horrible than this injustice. Injustice. But when they bring him to Pilate, Pilate's wife had a dream, and Pilate was was determined to let him go. Pilate's wife said, look, don't have anything to do with that innocent man because I had a dream about him last night. He's innocent. Pilate knew going in it was injustice, that he was guilty of nothing. And if you put all the scriptures together, you figure out that what he did first was try to satisfy them by beating him. They beat him with a cat of nine tails. They ripped the flesh out of his back. He was a swollen, bloody mess when he stood before the people. And Pilate said, behold the man. And then Pilate, like a typical politician, is trying to find a way around it. He said, look, there's a holiday. We, you know, since it's it's Passover, I'll usually release a condemned prisoner. So he he picked out the grossest, worst, most violent murderer named Barabbas. And he put him up against Jesus and said, who shall I... Release to you, Jesus the Christ or Barabbas the murderer? And they said, well, let me read it. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the multitudes they should ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor answered and said to them, which of the two do you want me to release to you? And they said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, what? Then shall I do with Jesus, who is called the Christ. And they said to him, let him be crucified. I love this. And then the governor said, why? What evil has he done? And they cried more, saying, let him be crucified. Then Pilate saw he could not prevail at all, but rather that a tumult was rising, and he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. You see to it. It is the condemning of the innocent. Now, here's the problem in life. 
most of the time, most of the stuff we get into, um, you know, it's, it, it takes two to tango. I did something and you did something. And we're arguing about who did the worst thing, right? You know, most divorces and most, you know, conflicts, they're usually, everybody's got a little bit in it, right? You hear one person tell you the story and you think it's all their fault. Then you hear that person, you've never done marriage counseling, so you don't know what I'm talking about. But everybody sounds convincing until they get together. You realize they're both goofed up. But this is the reality of life. Life is not fair. I'm glad my, of all the things my dad taught me, I'm glad he told, taught me that one. Life's not fair. It's not fair. Life's not fair. And when you have one of those situations, it's just not fair. And you start asking that horrible question, why? Why me? Why my child? Why my house? Why my business? Was it something I did? We all have at times that feeling like, why did this happen to me? It's, in, it's unjust. And, and look, the Bible indicates here, gross injustice is a death. Some people their whole life, just because there's racism, just because there's prejudice in the world, you don't have to live like a victim. Just because there are people that will hate you because of the color of your skin, you, don't, you are not a second-class citizen. I don't care what anybody says. You are who God says you are. It doesn't matter what you look like. It's who you are on the inside that matters to God. But when we face injustice, if we're not careful, we'll get that chip on our shoulder. That we're always a victim and there's always poor us. And you, every situation, you even see it when it's not even there. You know what I mean? I could go on, but you can just apply it to your own life in your own way. But you know what I'm talking about. When there's injustice, when you haven't been treated fair, the Bible indicates here it's a death and you need a resurrection. You need to rise up from that. Look, at the end of the day, it's just going to be you and Jesus. It's just going to be you and Jesus. At the end of the day, nobody's helping you out. It's just you and Jesus. Something inside of you has got to be bigger than prejudice, bigger than injustice, bigger than racism. Something inside of you has to be greater than everything that's around you. How can I overcome it? It's overwhelming. It's not as big as God. I said it's not as big as God. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Come on, put your hand on your belly. Say, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Listen, so what? You got fired. You got fired. or You were wrong. You got fired twice. You were wrong. All right, man, get over it. You say, Pastor, you're being mean. I'm not being mean. I'm telling you, you're going to stay there in that death or you're going to get some resurrection power and you're going to say, I'm bigger, I'm bigger, I'm bigger, I'm bigger. What's in me is greater than the injustice that I face in this life. You know, I always thought I was a black guy. And then my daughter married a black guy. So I haven't actually been black very long. Because <laughs> my son-in-law, you know, he, he, you know, he's a great young man. You saw him up here. You can't see him in pictures, though, because those people are so white. Those people, <laughs> they're so white. If you see a picture, you just can't see him. Because the, the camera adjusts to all the white people. and it, See, it is injustice. Cameras are racist, I've noticed. But, you know, it's easy to tell people, get over it until it's your own family. And, uh, he, you know, he's a great young man. He graduated uh, college, great grades, went to the police academy, 
graduated that with, with honors. I was there. And uh, first little opportunity to get rid of him, they got rid of him for no reason at all. I was mad. I, I look, don't ask me. I was like, it's because he's black. I know what it is. <laughs> I told you I hadn't been black very long, but it was working. I was like, I've had it. And then, of course, you know, he, uh, he was helping me with my house, and, and he was applying for jobs, and I started seeing the way he was treated. It was making me really mad because he's a great guy. And I, I, I wanted, look, I was about to jump in the pity party with him. I was about to hate the whole world. I was starting to hate white people. And, I, and I'm white. <laughs> it's true. I was like, I, I know, was he white? Yeah, he's white. I see. That's why he didn't get his job. And, and I started sewing into the wrong thing, you know, because I felt it because it's my own family now. It's easy when you're white. But when you got your own family, and you, it, it feels like they're being mistreated because there's this not a better guy than this guy. They would be blessed to have him. But as long, but I, he came into the house one day, and he had that on him, you know, because he had tried hard. And he had been knocked down. He had been rejected. They didn't call him back. And he had one interview. They never called him back. And you could see it was getting on him. I looked at him and said, Donovan, listen, listen to me, man. Something's got to happen inside of you. They should have called you back. They're disrespecting you, and you will not be disrespected. You're bigger than that. And I need you. I can't do this for you, but I need you to stand up and put your chest out. I want you to forget about all the rejection. I want you to forget about all the injustice. And I want you to remember who you are. And I want you, when you go to that interview, you look him straight in the eye. And you, first of all, tell him, you should have called me back. You disrespected me. And I don't even know if I want this job right now. But you know what? He didn't get that job. Because <laughs> he did tell him, hey, look, I don't even know if I want it because you disrespected me. You might disrespect me again. But he was walking different. He was talking. The next job he got, then he got a promotion after that. He's going to get a promotion after that. He's going to get a promotion out of that because he had a resurrection inside of him. He is not a black man. He's a great man. He's not a white man. He's a great man. He's got something inside of him that's greater than anything that's coming against him. I feel like crying because resurrection power is so real. I want to finish with this thought. Number three, complete rejection. The Bible said in the final hour of Jesus' death, he was hanging there and he cried out, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why has you, have you forsaken me? It's from Psalm 22, but it, it expresses a feeling that when it even feels like God turned his back on you. I don't know if you've ever been there, but rejection is a death, and it can get on you. It can get in you. You don't realize it, but you start acting so obnoxious because you want everybody to like you. Now every, nobody likes you now. When you get rejection on you, you, you want people to like you so bad, nobody likes you. Not because there's something wrong with you, but you, you feel rejected. You end up marrying the wrong person, somebody who treats you bad. Rejection is a death. He was rejected 
with the Barabbas thing. He was rejected by his own men. He was rejected by all Israel. And then at the last minute, he was rejected by his own father. And I don't mean it in the sense that God actually rejected him. I mean in the sense of how you feel. Have you ever felt that even, I don't even know if God's with me on this one. Rejection is the loneliest feeling in the world. Because you put it out there, everything you had, and then people said it's not good enough. And it's all you got. If you're a woman or a teenager or a mom, dad, man, you think you don't look right, you think you're not smart enough, you've been hurt, you've been rejected. The secret is, those are the opportunities to know him better, to know his resurrection power. Philippians 3 says that I might know him in the power of his resurrection, in the fellowship of his suffering, that I might be conformed to his death, that I might have a real resurrection. What does it mean? These are not opportunities to quit. If you're looking for an opportunity to quit, life is about to give you one. If you're looking for an opportunity to crawl into a hole and die, life is about to give you an opportunity to crawl into a hole and die. If you're looking for a reason to give up, life is about to give you a reason to give up. But if you want to come back, there is a resurrection power that you can tap into that's going to change everything. When you change, everything is going to change. And let me just give you this as we're closing. Resurrection, look, problems last a long time, but resurrection is suddenly. Come on, say suddenly with me. I said problems last a while, but resurrection is suddenly. And I'm prophesying over you, suddenly it's coming upon your life. Suddenly it's coming upon your life. Suddenly God's going to set it straight. Suddenly you're going to feel strong. Suddenly you're going to feel some resurrection power. You're going to step out of that, res- that rejection and you're going to step in that resurrection. Come on, if you don't mind, just lift up your hands with me because this is a resurrection day for you. This is a day for us suddenly. This is a day for us suddenly. You're going to stop acting other than what you really are. You're going to stop acting like a hurt person, acting like a rejected person, acting like a person that's wounded or the injustice has overcome you. But you're going to rise up and be who God called you. This is what resurrection power is. Come on, stand up with me and lift your hands. Resurrection, resurrection, resurrection. Come on, lift your hands. Listen, God spoke and Jesus rose. That's how quick it tastes. Today, God is speaking. God was speaking to you. You might have experienced one or all of these deaths. But thank God, that's not where it ends. This doesn't end at death. For you, it doesn't end at death. It didn't end for Jesus at death. It wasn't over. Everybody said it's over. They looked at your life and said it's over. You looked at your relationship, said it's over. You looked at your situation, you said it's over. And God said it's not over till I say it's over. It's not over because I have resurrection power. I've taken the power of death, hell, and the grave. I've taken the keys from the enemy. And I can cause life from death. Come on. But you know, you just got to do, you got to let go of that thing. It may take a while. Uh, it's, it doesn't take, resurrection doesn't take a while. Letting go takes a while. You got to stop identifying with rejection. So what? It happened. You're bigger than that. I can't stop it. I can't make people act right. Well, what did that woman do to you? I don't know what she did to you, but it doesn't really matter. 
you got to rise up. This is about you and God. And you're going to lift your hands and you're going to connect to resurrection power. While your hands are lifted, you're going to let go. You're going to let go of that thing that you've identified with. That pain, that desperation, that devastation that you identified with. And you said, well, that's just the way I am. That's just the way it happened to me. I can't help it. I'm just different now. No, you can't help it. That death is about to be conquered in your life. And you're about to rise above it. You're about to rise above that experience. You're about to rise above that thing that happened. You're about to rise up. God's going to cause you to be risen. People are going to look at you and say, she's risen. He's risen. He was different. He was dead. But look at him now. He's alive. He's risen. Come on with your hands lifted. Everybody say, Lord Jesus, I turn away from my sin. I give my life to you. Jesus Christ, you're the Lord of my life. Come and raise me up. I receive resurrection power. Right now, the past, the addiction is broken. That dark way of thinking that's been in your house is broken off of your life. It's broken off of your children, broken off of your generations. In one sudden moment, that spirit is broken off of your life. Now the life of God is flooding into your house, flooding into your mind. God's energy is coming into your home. The energy of joy and peace and creativity is coming into your home. Come on, rise up, rise up, rise up. Come on with your hands lifted. Say, I release now. Say it out loud. I release now. Come on, just get rid of it. I release re rejection. Injustice. I release it from my life. I let it go. I let go of betrayal. It's no longer a part of my story. I'm not going to talk about it. I'm not going to rehearse it. I'm not going to tell my children. I'm not going to tell my friends. As far as I'm concerned, that death was conquered by life. That death was conquered by life. I lay the axe to the root of that unfruitful tree. Now I live a resurrected life. 